0: You're listening to Country Music Success Stories, featuring Music City mentor, J.C. Don Valeris. Now, here's your host, Kandi Terry.
1: Our trip to Los Angeles was so much fun. We just didn't want it to end. One day, we had lunch in Beverly Hills, and we walked up and down Rodeo Drive like we were Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. And we have the video to prove it. When we were done posing, we hopped back into the car for a drive to the home of multi-platinum songwriter Lindy Robbins. She's literally songwriting royalty, especially in the pop world, where she's written hits for the Backstreet Boys, Demi Lovato, Jason Derulo, and the list goes on. And you will hear the stories behind mega-hit songs coming up in this interview. But Lindy is also no stranger to Nashville or to writing big country hit songs like Day Drunk, Morgan Evans' top 20 smash that went platinum in his native Australia. JC could not wait to ask Lindy some revealing questions for her Music City Mentor segment, so don't miss her answers at the end of this interview. Songwriters, take notes. Seriously. Lindy met us at the door with a smile and she led us to her backyard garden where this interview took place she was more than happy to share so much about her career, including one of the keys to her success in the music business.
2: Being a good person and being good at what you do so that even if you haven't had a hit in a minute, people still want to get with you. It's about the hang. It's about being cool. It's about treating everybody with equal respect.
1: Lindy loves the creative process, and her energy is like a billion-watt nuclear reactor. By the time this interview is over, you're going to feel like you know her too. She's that open and that friendly with lots of cool stories to tell. Oh, and by the way, forgive the sounds of airplanes overhead. I think her house is right on the flight path to LAX. The sheer volume of hit songs that you have written, honestly. Is stunning. I've played quite a few of them on the radio so you can say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you started singing when you were only three years old. Your dad a musician. Tell us a little bit about what life was like when you were a little girl. This is amazing. Oh wow. Well my dad piano
2: and music was everything to him. The Great American Songbook. So I grew up with musicals and Gershwin and Rodgers and Hart and Rodgers and Hammerstein. And then later, he would play Elton John and Joni Mitchell and Billy Joel, but mostly it was like Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra and Barbara Streisand. That's what I grew up with. And I just started singing when I was a little girl. Three years three old? Three years old. Every time I was anywhere near him, there was always singing and performing. And usually those standards, which I think have served me well, the knowledge of that kind of music that I know so many other people in pop music are not as aware of those songs, but I know them all because I was raised on them.
1: And you were performing on stages in New York City and in Los Angeles. How exciting. I was. I was. I mean, it wasn't ultimately my path, and I'm
2: so beyond grateful every day for the path that, that I tripped onto, but I did perform quite a bit. I got to perform at Carnegie Hall with the vocal group and so many amazing things as a performer, but ultimately songwriting was the path.
1: Carnegie Hall as a singer. Yeah. Bucket list. Yeah, bucket list. Do you remember that moment?
2: Oh, yeah. I sure do.
1: You must have sounded like a million bucks. That's Oh, I, I guess... could
2: sing. I could sing back then. <laughs> I was in the 90s. I could sing.
1: <laughs> you just said that you tripped on songwriting. Tell me that story. Well, because
2: I went to New York as part of a vocal group and was trying to audition for Broadway shows. And it was always like, thank you, next. Thank you, next. We had success in the cabarets and clubs. People would line up to see us at one AM. I mean, it was crazy. New York in the early nineties. I started writing songs for the vocal group and I started to realize that when we had a show, I was so much more excited that we were performing the original material than I was about actually being a performer. And then I had a few songs and somebody did a favor to somebody else, one of the composers, said, We'll see her, but we're not signing any writers and I mean, I didn't even know what a publishing deal was. And I came and I had three or four songs and they said, we want to sign you. Who's your lawyer? And I said,
1: what? And how old were you when this happened?
2: Well, we don't talk AIDS.
1: Okay. All right. So you were a young woman just getting started and you get a publishing deal, which feels larger than life.
2: Yeah, no, it was incredible. And I just started to realize this is what I want to do. And then 1998... That's when I moved back to L.A. Because even though I was in the cabaret world and musical theater at that point, I always still was a pop person. My influences were Cheryl Crow. And, I was and, just and, going to ask yeah. you that. Who my, were yeah, your My early... influences were from Laura Nero and Joni Mitchell to <gasps> Cheryl Crow to Alison Krauss, who's probably my favorite oh. singer, to
1: the Judds. I Our was obsessed with the Judds. Our very Jets. first episode was with Naomi Judd oh. at her 500-acre compound in Leipers Fork, Tennessee. I think I would
2: faint. The Judds,
1: I mean, so generous,
2: unbelievable. Trisha Yearwood and oh, so many of the singers, songwriters, beautiful, beautiful
1: voices. Though, right?
2: James Taylor to Duncan Sheik to just real songs, I suppose, but in a more pop element. That always really was what I did, even though I'd grown up in the theater and I had written these sort of cabaret songs. That's who I was and what I was about. And so in 1998, I just realized this is what I want to do. I want to write pop songs.
1: When we first walked into your home, I saw a beautiful baby grand piano. Do you play the piano as well? I actually don't.
2: Okay. So I write melody and lyrics. I actually, now that I'm working on a couple of musicals, I've come to realize it was probably the biggest mistake of my life. I've always thought that it would be more of a hindrance because I work with such great songwriters musicians and producers I always hear the music in my head
1: does that happen first do you hear the music um, or do you I, write the, it write all the comes lyric.
2: together when I'm writing things very rarely on my own for like a musical but I can't figure out very very simple chords but I never in my life had the patience to learn or do anything that didn't just come naturally to me. I never took a class or studied anything. I just realized I can write songs. I can write lyrics. What a gift. What a talent. I mean, it's maybe laziness too, but like I never could dance and I never could learn. And I just never had the patience for piano. And I wish that I would have.
1: There's a discipline to songwriting. Can you tell us a little bit about how you write?
2: Well, again, lazy and not disciplined because... I've never, like this morning, I had a Zoom, which, you know, is one of the good things that have come out of the pandemic. And I had this crazy Zoom, three other people. One was in Amsterdam, one was in Norway, and one was in Berlin. Three young men. And we wrote two songs in two hours. This rarely happens. I never have ideas. I just, somebody starts playing something and it just flies into them. I have too many ideas. I annoy people. What about this? What about that? And they're like, please give me a chance to think just... (laughs) <laughs> Please stop talking for one I can feel it. I've learned to literally remove myself from the room because I'm just spurting
1: ideas. Collaboration, though, is oh. a magical thing, too. Have you worked with certain co-writes where you just snapped?
2: Abs- I've worked with so
1: many co-writes where I snap
2: and co-writes where it just wasn't a good fit.
1: Tell me about the first time you ever heard a song that you wrote coming out of the radio.
2: actually do you remember. It was incomplete. That was for the Backstreet Boys. That was my first hit. It was my first single. I had had a lot of cuts, but I never had a single. And I remember it was before streaming radio was so big and they used to do the top 10 at 10 on Kiss. And I sat in my car and I just cried like a baby. And it was on there for a while. And every single night I sat in my car and turned on my radio to hear it.
0: I tried to go on like I
1: never knew.
2: Asleep. I pray for this heart to be unbroken, but without you all, I'm gone.
1: It never gets old, does it? Oh, no. Sometimes
2: I'll be like in the supermarket and I go, what's that song? And I'll be like, oh, that's my song. And sometimes I'll be like, I wrote that. And I'm like, no, I didn't. write that. Somebody else's (laughs) song that I just know it's the funniest thing. It always takes me by surprise and it always just fills me with joy.
1: An artist decides they love your song. They put it on hold and then they don't record it. It Must be so frustrating sometimes, right? You know what? I don't even register a hold anymore. It doesn't
2: mean anything. I think that's more in the country world and the pop world. They don't really grant holds even. They're just like usually now it's like they might want to try your song without any assurances or no commitments. It's changed so, so much. It's always great and you hope it's going to happen. But I don't even get excited about cuts anymore until they actually like come out. I just let it all roll off. I had a very big artist cut a song around the holidays and it was such a huge excitement and huge deal, huge artist. And now we haven't heard a word, nothing. So I'm just like, okay, maybe the album still hasn't come out. So I'm like, one day I'll either hear it made it or it didn't make it. And you just learn to kind of roll with the punches because then something will happen out of the blue. Like so-and-so cut your song and you're like, what? I had no idea. And then the one that you've been waiting and waiting and waiting on doesn't happen.
1: Bonnie Raitt once told me this years ago. She said, finding a song that's the perfect fit for me is like finding a jewel at the bottom of the ocean. Artists must be so grateful when your song is their perfect fit. Well, I also think maybe this is
2: less of a pop thing because in pop, most of the artists want to write the song or write on the song or be part of the song. It's still an amazing thing when you find a fit. And I just was blessed enough to have a song called Blessed on Kelly Clarkson's Christmas record. So that was really exciting because she still cuts outside songs. But it's becoming less and less
1: that people will just cut an outside song. But you'll take it. I'll take it. Love to talk to you about the stories behind a couple of these really big mega hits. But before I ask you to tell the story behind Skyscraper, Demi Lovato's big number one song, I want to tell you a story about a woman whom I interviewed in Boston, who is a stage four breast cancer survivor with two young children, Diagnosed at 37, she is still alive today at 42, living with terminal breast cancer. Lindy, every infusion she has, she listens to Skyscraper in her headphones.
2: Oh boy, oh boy. And
1: even as I'm telling you that, it's making me cry. How does it feel when you hear stories like that about your music?
2: Well, this is a really intense one because, first of all, both of my sisters are breast cancer survivors. And I can't even really let this in too deeply, deeply right now because I'm trying to hold it together. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> but There's a very incredible and legendary songwriter who became an A&R person who everybody in LA knows and all around the world. His name is John Lind. John Lind wrote Save the Best for Last and Crazy for You for Madonna and Boogie Wonderland, but he became an A&R person who always believed in my songs. Skyscraper had sat around for a couple of years. Long story, but he decided he wanted to take a chance in it as a single for Demi Lovato. He passed away of cancer about three weeks ago. Well, he
1: must be channeling us in this conversation. He was
2: extremely, extremely difficult. That really is the highest compliment that could ever be given to a songwriter. I mean, did I change somebody's life or change somebody's day or help somebody to survive cancer because of this song that was just a joy to write?
1: It must be everything. one of the blessings of being a songwriter. Are you right kidding? Here. It's like, it's everything. You can take everything I have. You can break everything. So what's the story behind the song, Skyscraper? So it was one of
2: the very few times that I had a title. I was on the plane going to New York to work with them. Toby had a studio on 46th Street in New York. I was in L.A. And I just said, Skyscraper. I read it in a magazine and I said, let's write a song called Skyscraper with Curly and Toby. And he started just playing the piano and I started singing and Curly started singing also and but making this amazing art and drawings about her childhood in Estonia and it just all came from all of us from this amazingly emotional place.
1: Sharp left hand turn Jason
2: DeRulo Want to Want Me. Want to Want Me was such a different experience. And Want to Want Me was the song that probably taught me the most lessons because I used to do a writing camp with some very big writers. Julia Michaels was one of them probably one of her first co-writers and Jason Evigan, Ann Kirkpatrick Sean Douglas, Mitch Allen, Sam Martin, they've all become very, very, very successful. We used to rent a house in Lake Arrowhead, no chefs, no cooks, no runners, and just lock ourselves in that house and write songs. Want to Want Me was the second camp, and we came up with the idea, and it was originally called Girl from New York City. Oh, I got a girl in New York City, which I loved. And the guy had to rush out, and he goes, that is just terrible. I said, no, it's good. He goes, no, we're going to get together in L.A. So we get together in L.A. to rewrite it. And I said, want to want me. And he goes, that's it. And I just thought, well, that's the dumbest thing ever. And it ended up being by far the biggest hit of my career. And I really learned something that it just sang well and it felt good and it was the right words for that song. And it really taught me a lesson that. Simplicity is often the most difficult thing to do. And in this case, I think with the verses being very colorful and descriptive, this repetitive, just hooky, coarse. Very memorable. And it was memorable. And boy, am I grateful for that one. Big song in the country world,
1: Day Drunk, Morgan Evans.
2: Day Drunk, Morgan Evans. Chris Stefano is the co-writer and producer of that song. I had worked with Morgan years before. I think he wasn't even signed. He'd come on a writing trip from Australia and worked with myself and a, a, a writer that I used to work with by the name of Reed Vertellini. So he remembered me. And then Chris was a pop writer here in he had this tiny little crappy apartment in hollywood we used to write all together and he's an amazingly loyal person because whenever i would come to nashville he'd say i'm you know because he a huge huge national hits and He'd always say i'm putting two days aside from you tell me when you're coming i'll make time which is really rare and that was actually a title very rare for me it's probably only happened about five times of any of the songs i've written and i had day drunk and we were kind of stuck and looking through titles and we got that one and morgan really related to it and we just wrote the song Let's
1: get a little- Rule in my house, there's no day drinking allowed.
2: (laughs) I know it's funny, I barely drink at all, but it was really, it was a really fun one.
1: You've had some big hits, some cuts with Faith Hill and Keith Urban, Leanne Rhimes. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, none of the country songs I've ever written, with the exception of Day Drunk,
2: they were never written in Nashville. It was really a lesson for me. I've taken many trips to Nashville, but I thought about it and I thought, Nashville, people are there living and breathing country music every single day, writing usually two songs a day. So they're writing hundreds of songs a year. So somebody like me is going to come out for a week, really more of a pop writer and be like, oh, let me write country songs. So I learned a long time ago, I just write what I write.
1: Relationships are everything in every business and in the music business. Of course. Tell me how.
2: Being a good person and being good at what you do so that even if you haven't had a hit in a minute, people still want to get with you. You have to listen. For me, I think that's the key to my longevity is I always think, okay, maybe this young person is going to bring something different. Or if I'm in a room writing a country song, I should probably listen to somebody who's writing this music all the time. Or if it's something more R&B, I'm going to kind of, you know, and there's sometimes when I lead because I just have it. With my regular co-writers, it's like, it doesn't matter who has it. That day, it might just be I've got it, and it's like, let me run. And they might have it, let them run. It doesn't matter. We respect each other, and it's like you let somebody just kind of go. And it's about the hang. It's about being cool. It's about treating everybody with equal respect. It's about treating that person who might be somebody's assistant, and five years from now... I know an assistant who's now a huge A&R person. I mean, that happens all the time. Look you, at Trisha
1: Yearwood and Faith Hill. They were receptionists exactly. at Capitol Records. Exactly. And yeah, you never get you too big never for your
2: britches. You keep your head down and you do the work. And hopefully you've got
1: some longevity. Everybody needs somebody who really believes in them, Lindy. Has there been someone in your life who, even in tough times, maybe if you hadn't had a hit for a while, who believes in you and says, you can do this?
2: You know, there have been. Right now, I think it's I'm working with a woman who named Anna Schlaffer, and she's kind of my manager. I mean, we have sort of an interesting arrangement, but she believes in me so strongly. And she gives me faith in myself because I haven't had a hit in a minute. And it's also the pandemic. Everything's been strange for the last two years. But she's just always setting me up with stuff and believing in me and putting me in these great situations. And I just appreciate it so much. And there's been different people. This woman, Ryanna Gillespie, who was the first person that signed me. Donna Cassain, who then took over. Benjamin Groff, the people at Cobalt, who I've been with Cobalt for 10 years. Sass, who runs Cobalt, and Jamie. And, you know, there's just been a lot of different people. I wouldn't say I had one particular person who was my mentor, but there's been a lot of people along the way that have kept me believing in myself.
1: Is there a song in the world that you listen to, whether it's, you know, at home on your computer or you hear it in the in the car, that you say to yourself, oh, I wish I wrote that song.
2: You know, there's a lot of them. There's a huge song right now called ABCDEFU. And I just keep saying, how could I not have thought of that? It's so brilliant, and it's so simple, and it's so right there, and I just kick myself. I was saying that today. How could I not have thought about it? How could nobody have thought A, B, C, D, E, F, U? So that one just kills me. You know, there's always new talent. There's always the next thing, and people thinking outside of the box. And, you know, I teach once a year the Johnny Mercer Project. He's at Northwestern. I'm about to do my fourth year. It's a week long. I encourage anybody to apply for it, because there's anything from musical theater, to the country, to r&b to pop but i always tell the students don't be a follower be a leader don't try to copy what's on the radio try to do what only you can do write about yourself only you have your story that's why somebody like billy eilish will come out of the blue and be like she doesn't sound like anybody else or doja cat now these are not necessarily my cups of tea but i admire that they have forged new paths that new music that nobody else has heard
1: Speaking of music that you're doing now, you mentioned early on in our interview musical theater, that that seems to be something you're coming back around again. Yeah,
2: Even though I never wrote a musical, I was asked to write a musical, and it's actually, the music is rock, pop, country, and bluegrass. And I was asked to do it because they wanted somebody who understood musical theater but was not like a typical, traditional musical theater writer. So I'm very excited about this. And then my brain has just started writing a musical review very musical theater, because I used to write comedy songs and powder songs and all these kinds of songs. And I would hide that because I wanted to be cool and write pop music.
1: Now I've been doing this for so long that I'm like, I don't care. I want to do it all. It's really been a long ride for you with so many different genres of yeah. music. What do you wish you knew, Lindy, when you first got started as a songwriter? That if I was in an uncomfortable
2: situation, if I was in a session that felt wrong with people who did not feel like they were treating me right or got me or were making me feel good that I could leave. Or that I could just say, hey guys, something came up. Or, you know, let's finish this another day and just tell my publisher or whatever. That did not feel good. Also overbooking and chasing. Now I think you need to have when you're younger this ambition and you need to say yes to a lot. And I said yes to everything. But in the beginning it was too much to where I would just chase and chase and chase. Even when I knew in my gut I'm exhausting myself. I'm doing three sessions today. I'm working on a Sunday. Now I freely, freely say no. I still have a little bit of that FOMA that we all have, like, but what if, but what if and my husband, who well, I've only been married four months, so that was one of the biggest surprises. Congratulations. Of my life. Thank you. We've been together four and a half years and never thought that was gonna happen. But he's amazing and always you know, just like, you need an off day. And sometimes in my day off That's when I'll come up with all kinds of things. So I need to recharge more. And I think I used to be really afraid to say no.
1: Last two questions we ask everybody who sits where you are. And the first one is, this is a huge body of work for you. What are you most proud of?
2: I'm really proud of the songs that you brought up. Skyscraper, Want to Want Me, Day Drunk. There's a song called Cinderella. That a lot of young girls, like when I'm working with a 25-year-old, they like, oh my God, I grew up in that song and I know every step to the dance. I wrote it acapella. And then I had a friend of mine help me, you know, he put chords to it. And it became like this, it was the Cheetah Girls and it became kind of an anthem. It's the only song I ever wrote like that, just all the whole thing acapella. And Kevin Savagar ended up co-writing it with me, so I want to give him some kudos here. But... I don't know, I'm really proud of that one because it is one that so many girls have posted about and said this, you know, shaped my life. Blessed. The the current one with Kelly Clarkson is very, very proud of that song. There's been a few along the way. You've I'd had a that, lot of yeah, blessings, haven't I've you? I've had a lot of blessings and I hope to have a lot more. What has been the key, do you think, to your
1: success in music?
2: I've had a really good eye for young talent. I've discovered quite a few people where maybe they hadn't had a hit, maybe they hadn't had a cut, but I heard somebody's voice or I got together with a, a producer. I'm not great with knowing what a beat should be, but just something about them. And I gave them a shot. I had hits with these people. So I think it's always having an open mind and not being stuck in my ways at all. I'm open to really anything. And the reason I'm still doing this, and I have the great privilege of continuing to do this because I want to, not because I need to. So I'm very grateful for that. And I think Feel more inspired in some ways than I ever have
1: Lindy Robbins I want to say thank you so much for being our guest this
0: week on country music success stories oh, it's
2: been my pleasure Thanks thank for you having me
0: this is JC Don Valeris your music city mentor today I want to talk with you about the art of co-writing because that's exactly what it is an art If you're someone dreaming about getting to write with a hit songwriter, you're probably wondering what you need to do to make that happen, and how you can rise to the occasion should you get the opportunity. I asked Lindy Robbins what she looks for when choosing people to write with, and this is what she had to say. For me, I need
2: somebody who's a great musician, I'm I in the pop world what they call a top planner, melody and lyric. And then I want somebody else who is a great singer because I prefer to have somebody else do a demo. So it's having the right combination of maybe the producer and somebody who's really great with lyrics, somebody who's really great with melody. Maybe everybody's great with everything, but I think it's a good combination. And I think it's just everybody just being able to listen. Again, not be too in love with their own ideas, to listen to other people's ideas. Sometimes people like people to come in with an idea. I found that in Nashville. They like to start with a title. So I've always got my list of titles if that's the way somebody wants to start. I prefer to start with chords and music. But if somebody else comes in, like this happened to me a couple times recently as I've been writing more, that things have opened up where these young people that I broke with and they had a whole idea. And I was like, I love that. Let's go with that. But let's, you know, I want to make it better. And I think this could be better. Instead of saying, no, no, let, let's start from scratch. Like, but if the idea wasn't good, I might have said, Maybe put that aside for a minute and just try something fresh. So it's just being open to whatever and whoever has a great idea. Maybe it's me that day. Maybe it's somebody else. It doesn't really matter. You just want to collectively do something magical.
0: Lindy is absolutely correct. Being prepared is always the very best option, even if all you have is a lyric or a hook or a melody. I want to tie this up with a piece of advice a fellow songwriter gave to me when I was just starting out in my career. She also happens to be a season one guest on this podcast, and that is Kelly Lang. Kelly told me this, whenever you're going into a co-write with another writer, consider it going into business with them. If your song happens to make it onto an album, you'll have contracts and royalties and publishing rights to discuss. And if it gets onto a television show, you could have to negotiate a license. And if you write that magical song that becomes a worldwide hit, the business side of that that can be enormous. So when you are choosing your co-writers, always choose wisely and pick the ones that you aren't afraid to go on what could be a magical, lifelong journey.
1: More wisdom you can use from JC Don Valeris, your Music City mentor. If you liked country music success stories, we hope you will spread the word about our podcast and please leave a review of our show. Follow us on social at Country Music Success Stories. And by the way, that's the name of our website, too. Our TikTok handle is Candy and JC. Our series is now available on the Country Line app, so please download that. You know, do all the things. We've got more legends to meet and stories to tell. This is Candy O'Terry saying thank you so much for listening to Country Music Success Stories, where the stars welcome us into their homes and their gardens, and they tell us how they made it in Nashville.